Cape Talk. Join the conversation. And now, Consumer Talk featuring Wendy Nola. Well, delighted to know that at least the digital platforms are working loud and clear. Philippa in Richmond, Virginia, thank you so much for your WhatsApp, confirming that you're listening to us absolutely perfectly crystal clear over in the USA. I'm glad to hear so and appreciate that feedback. Last time I'm going to mention this, please, if you are able to switch to a digital stream on the uh, DSTV, on the website or on the app, it will improve your listening experience for the time being. And we hope that our technicians are able to get the transmitter restored to 100% working uh, operations within hopefully the next uh, a short while, let's say that. Okay, we're doing our best, I promise. Okay, with that, it's time to talk consumer affairs with Wendy Nola, who is joining us via Skype today because of our own lockdown restrictions on Studio Access. And it is lockdown regulations on the menu today. We're going to take a look at a couple of consumer implications around the adjusted level four rules, from cancelled flights to overburdened grocery delivery apps. There are all kinds of consumer fires burning right now, and that's on top of the people who are still waiting for refunds from their 2020 travel cancellations. Wendy Nola, always great to have you with us, but I'm sure your inbox must be absolutely groaning right now. It is, Papa, the story of, you know, back to some pretty tough restrictions um, on events, um, on travel, and it's just so reminiscent of, you know, last March, April, the same kinds of things happening. But um, this time, people um, have a better sense of what their rights are, yeah. and, um, and and so I suppose, yeah. Now they sort of saying, well, we know that legally we're supposed to get our money back. So what's happened with the airlines, for example, is that um, you know up until last Sunday, when um, President Ramaphosa announced our move to adjusted level four, if you were getting itchy uh, or, or, or nervous, rather, if you were, if you felt that the COVID numbers were disturbing and you didn't want to take that holiday, um, and you decided to cancel your flight, the normal cancellation rules would apply. Definitely, no refunds. There would be penalties um, to change your dates. Um, that kind of thing, but yeah. when it's the airline that decides not to fly because uh, not because of a of a restriction, but because um, they don't feel that the, the the move to lockdown uh, to adjusted level four meant that their numbers would drop and it would therefore not be economic. Then technically, legally, in terms of the Consumer Protection Act, um, they're in, they're required to to refund, but yeah. that's not how the airlines work. And so in the situation again, you know, we're talking about re, the law versus reality. Um, it's just not happening. I did speak to um, Lyft was one of the the three airlines that have stopped operating until the end of the month. Yeah. Um, the newbie Cheapy um, flying mainly between Cape Town and and uh, Johannesburg and I think uh, Nasna. Um, they said. Look, they were able to, they made a plan with Flash Airfare and they were able to reaccommodate those who still wanted to fly. And for the rest, um, they, there was a no penalty, uh, change for, to flights or they were allowed to bank their, their, um, uh, their money, they take a credit, in other words, for what they paid for the flights that were now cancelled. And when I pushed the refund issue, the, um, uh, Lyft, uh, CEO, um, said to me, well, um, the few that actually said, look, I'm, you know, for whatever reason, I'm not going to ever fly again or whatever. They said they did actually say, right, absolutely, have a refund. Different okay. story with uh, Kalula and BA, unfortunately, but uh, but uh, they just they didn't make any alternative plans and just said, go to manage our booking on, the, on our app and uh, sort yourself out. You can get a credit and 
they're all saying a penalty free change but um as we've said another another case of you know consumers being left in the lurch um and being told mm, no yeah we won't mention the refund word which is extraordinary really but it's the reality of 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 where we are right now so just to recap a couple of the details, I mean, uh, these flights were cancelled from uh, this uh, past Monday, the 5th, until at least the end of the month. I think in the case of Lyft, they'll start flying again on the 1st of August. And for Kalula and BA, it's the 30th of July. Wendy, of course, worth noticing, yeah. this is overlapping with the school holiday period. I've got friends whose trip to the Kruger Park uh, was affected by this. They've got all their accommodation, etc., paid and booked for there. And I found themselves having to hop in the car and drive to to the park rather than flying to Hootsprate because their their flight was cancelled. They're hoping for a refund because they've suddenly got a very large petrol bill to pay uh, for that trip. Um, our listener Vic emailed me just before we came to air saying he almost didn't make it home from his latest trip because Comair suspended their flights with very little notice and he had to face a six-hour multi-leg flight to get home. Um, thankfully, he says Safair stepped up to help. But is this acceptable business practice from Comair, even if a voucher or refund was offered? Uh, what do you think? I don't think so. Um, because, as I say, they were, this, they were not forced by... by Government, government regulation to stop flying. Um, we've got uh, four airlines still flying in this country, mm-hmm. uh, uh, domestic ones. Uh, we've got uh, Mango Airlink, uh, Semi, and Flysafe, um, who all decided to carry on flying. So, um, in such a case, um, it's very clear the CPA says um, that uh, refunds must be issued unless. Um, a reasonable alternative was provided and the consumer opted not to take it. Well, I think it's fair to say that no reasonable alternative was provided. Um, so, and, and also that what interestingly, we should take up these cases. The act also says just reading of, uh, just off the top of my head, I haven't got it in front of me, but says that your direct expenses should also be, um, refunded. Yeah. So for example, in your normal sort of overbooking case, you get bumped off the flight. If you then had to pay extra to get home because it was later and your lift wasn't able to come and fetch you anymore, that kind of thing, or yeah. food that you had in the airport. Um, so, so direct, um, direct expenses should be refunded. So, um, technically, yes. Um, I, I certainly, if I was in that situation, I would push it. Whether the airlines have the means to do it now, as you know, the, the, the sector has been so terribly hit, I don't know. But we, we're in this terrible grey area where the normal rules don't apply. But technically, that's what the Act says. It stops short of saying originally the bill, the Consumer Protection Bill, said, um, uh, I forget the word they used, um, but there was. Um, your consequential, that's right. Yes. Your consequential losses was also in there and they took that out because the industry, you know, had a fit. But so you can't say, well, um, I couldn't get to a job interview and therefore I lost, I didn't get the job and therefore you owe me 100,000 or something like that. It's your actual direct out of pocket costs related to their unilateral cancellation of, of, of the booking. Yeah. So if, if someone is in that situation, um, uh, I would like to take it up and see how the airline responds.
Okay. Thanks for that. If anybody listening has been affected and wants to give us some feedback on how you feel you were dealt with by the airline when you were engaging with them about your different options, we'd welcome a call to 0214460567 or a voice note to 0725671567. Once again, so much of it comes down to communication, uh, Wendy. I mean, as uh, uh, Jeff was tweeting, Jeff Sibbett tweeted on Friday, um, we are still allowed to travel for business, so why suspend the flights in the first place? And what really got his goat was why why accept my booking today when you knew you were going to be suspending your flights mere hours later? He, he feels Kalula should never have accepted his booking that he made on Friday evening. Yeah. And, and I think it's a fair point. Kalula's, yeah, Kalula's response to that was we made the decision based on a, a, a high-level meeting sort of that day. Um, and and But, you know, it could quite conceivably have been the case that that – by the you know that uh, Jeff made the booking you know during or after that meeting, and it just took a while for the decision to be um, communicated, through, yeah. and you can understand his his annoyance at that. Um, so yeah, it does rather seem um, Lyft was sort of saying, well, unlike Kame, we we were very proactive. We we made plans for those people who still needed to fly on their behalf. We we got them onto another airline. Um, and uh, also making the point that financially they um, ring fence the the, the flat uh, booking fares. Sorry, yep. they don't. It doesn't go into sort of general fund to be used. Those that, that financially those bookings are protected. Um, okay. They wanted to very much make that point, in, given the, the climate that we're in now. So yes, just very unfortunate. And of course, the airline saying you know predictions. They don't. No one's now trusting. Um, after what happened last March, oh, it's just it's three weeks. You know, let's do this together, and then you know we all know what happened then. So this two weeks thing to be reviewed this coming Sunday. Mm. Um, yeah, the, the feeling is very strong that it will be um, extended. Although if you, the little that tr- terrible Gauteng spike of infections just in the last twenty four hours did it just reverse. Yeah, slightly, I, I did so see a tweet let's hope from. It's not temporary. Yeah, let's hope so. I did see a tweet. Uh, in fact, it was a day or two ago from from Harry Moultrie, who's on the 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 the, the main advisory council on this, indicating that it did look like the Gauteng um, third wave had certainly turned the corner. Um, uh, still a long way to go to get completely out of it, but um, but it was at least moving in the right direction. We were a little bit behind here in the Western Cape, though, so who knows? Anyway, we won't know until Sunday evening. Um, so we'll 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 have to keep. Uh, <laughs> Keep our eyes on uh, on whether those regulations are extended or amended in any way on Sunday night. Whether there's going to be any regional um, deviation in the in the regulations, for example, we simply don't know at this point. Wendy, it's not the, uh, the the airline industry, of course, not the only one affected by the quite um, quite sudden change. And very interesting to see what is happening in the world of online shopping. There's been a noticeable increase in complaints on social media in the last ten days, directed specifically at the online grocery delivery apps are they just buckling under the pressure with so many additional customers do you think that's pretty much it um Pippa, and, and surprisingly when i i was asked by times live to write a story on this um because there was of the complaints coming through and when i when i went and looked at the source where you can tell say for example with twitter if the person's um location was there um a lot of the people were in cape town <laughs> 
saying so it's not just in Gauteng, it seems to have affected the um certainly some retailers more than others their ability to 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 meet the demand and i think obviously the Gauteng people are are, are most affected um and most likely given their numbers to not to want to go into a physical supermarket but um it looks like that trend is very much echoed around the country um and of course you know the retailers who who offer uh, home deliveries, Woolworths, uh, checkers with their 60-60 and um, pick and pay, um, they're all being asked to up their game to respond to this avalanche of both orders and queries from unhappy customers. So parallel to the you didn't, um, you know, you're not giving me a reasonable delivery slot or um, why can't I get one at all, um, was I've been phoning your call center, the no mm. response, that kind of thing. So that all those two things tend to go hand in hand. Um, so the tweets were quite vicious. Woolworths, your online service sucks, raged Shane of Cape Town. Um, my order was due for delivery yesterday and 24 hours later, no response to my email from your online team. This is the first and last time I order from your online store. Interesting there, Pippa. Yep. A lot of the tweets were from first time. People using an online service for the first time, which I found inter- interesting given our, what's happened in the last 15 months. Yes. Um, and, um, yeah, Woolworths got a lot and we'll get to, to why. Um, but, uh, pick and pays bottles online offering has also been coming in for some flack. Um, yesterday, someone calling themselves Coach Yoli tweeted, not yesterday, uh, two days ago. I'm disappointed with your service. Ordered groceries for delivery for the first time yesterday around 1 p.m. and got a 6 p.m. delivery slot. We went to bed with no groceries and no contact from you. Called the consumer service line, but it was not working. Ouch. Um, yeah, it's a, it's, yeah, it's always a bad combo. Um, no service, no, com- no comms. Um, Karen Breitenbach of Cape Town praised Checkers 6060. They always come in for a lot of praise uh, for her for delivering her order in less than half an hour. That's in the last week since since um, we moved to adjusted level four. But others have been disappointed that it, the services usual within the hour service has been lacking in the past week. Checkers, I know you're busy, but it's two eighteen and I p.m. and I can only get a delivery at eleven a.m. tomorrow. Tweeted Anita Moorman. Surely more drivers can be hired. We live eight hundred meters away, but th- we are too sick to go oh, to the shame. shops. She's in Gauteng. so. So yeah, it's, there's that. It's, yeah. it's, it's being too sick, actually, if you are one of those statistics. Yeah. Yeah. As you say, Wendy, it's that combination of the service not being what you're used to, plus the lack of communications, which makes people that angry that they resort to social media. I mean, clearly there has been a surge in demand. I, you know, I, I, I look at our neighborhood. There is a green checkers motorbike buzzing past yeah. somewhere nearby every couple of minutes. It is so in demand. Uh, it comes down to how you communicate with your customers when there are problems. I think most people in the current situation probably would be quite tolerant. If you said to them, you know what, 60 minutes is actually going to be 75 or 80 minutes please bear with us there's been a surge in demand because of of, of COVID um, if you acknowledge it yeah. and let them know in advance and let them reorganize their lives to accommodate that change in the schedule I think most people would be willing to give you the benefit of the doubt it's when you don't say anything at all and somebody is left waiting at home the whole afternoon wasting the day waiting for a delivery that they were expecting in a particular time slot that they get really angry 
Absolutely. I have noticed that the, all the supermarkets have very snappy responses generally on Twitter, but not everybody wants to go there. Um, not everybody's on Twitter. And so um, they need to be clear. They need to be capacitating the other more traditional platforms for communications with their customers. But yeah, all said um, the significant increase in orders since last Sunday. Um, Woolworths um, is very keen to push people onto its um, click and collect service available in 74 of its stores around the country. And they said all of these are running at next day slot availability. But for some people, that defeats the point if you've actually got to yeah. go and collect and have interaction. Um, but yeah, certainly um, I tried to order on Monday. I was doing a little, a very limited to one sample of one mm -hmm. uh, look at delivery slots and, and my experience. Um, Woolworths, it was around lunchtime on Monday. Woolworths said the next delivery slot was um, today only. Wow. So I, I didn't do that. Um, the other two were excellent. Not quite within the hour, Will uh, checkers and pick and pay bottles, but certainly within an hour and a half. And interestingly, I ordered from pick and pay bottles about 20 minutes after the checkers and pick and pay arrived first. So just okay. a, a tiny, tiny little sample, but that was, I think, under the conditions. I live in Somerset West, so it's quite Impressive. I yeah. Um, yeah. Wendy, sorry to, to interrupt you. We've got to go to the news. We'll continue the conversation with some feedback from those, uh, the, the, the different chains on the, the current pressures they're under after we've heard from the eyewitness news team. Okay. Back to Wendy. No, no, Wendy, sorry. I had to cut you off to go so rapidly to the news, but we, we've covered sort of the, the, the fact that the online delivery issues are affecting all of the major delivery apps and, um, that it really comes down to how they're communicating with their customers about those delays that, that is making the difference between who's got customers raging at them on social media and who's got customers patiently waiting an extra half hour or so. I'd be very interested to hear from our audience, um, what you are experiencing. Are you still managing to use those home delivery apps and are they getting to you pretty much on time or if they were late have they been communicating with you about those delays we'd be very interested to hear what your experience has been you can leave us a voice note on 0725671567 or send us a, 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 a give us a call rather on 0214460567 Wendy a few people asking questions going back to the airline cancellation stories um, mm -hmm. let me share this whatsapp from Mitch in Milnerton says, my wife flew up to Joburg from Cape Town to visit her folks just before the new lockdown and was supposed to fly back this past Saturday, but wanted to stay an extra week until this coming Saturday. We changed the booking at the beginning of last week with the usual rebooking penalty. And as it was BA, the flight was completely cancelled. I then had to book her on a mango flight to return to Cape Town for work next week. Am I entitled to a refund of both the original booking plus the rebooking penalty or just the, uh, uh, the, the new amount for for the later flight um not the mango booking naturally he says yes i would say so um because had he known that flight wasn't going to go ahead uh he wouldn't have paid the money to re to rebook i yeah. mean um thinking thinking on my feet here though that the, hmm, had the flight had the had he not changed the flight his wife would have flown back though that service was, was, on, was on offer yeah. yeah so that's a slightly tricky one um because they changed the term of the original agreement but then the airline did accept it and charge him so i would say certainly um, ask for both because um they did what was asked of them um 
and paid what was what was asked of them and the it was the unilateral decision of the airline to then um to cancel not to make that paid for flight yeah. available to them yeah so i would certainly try for both yes okay thank you and then alex saying i had a voucher issued for a mango flight when they changed the schedule the day before the flight this was back in may and that voucher is valid for three months until august however their online booking has thus far only allowed for booking two weeks in advance i'd love a cash refund do i have grounds for this or at least to ask to have my voucher extended three months seems quite short and i cannot do a chargeback because they gave a voucher i've been told Yes, I would certainly say absolutely because um, that wasn't his decision uh, to change because he was getting nervous about about infection rates or whatever. That was back in May. Um, the flight didn't happen. I remember it well. Yep. Um, so the normal CPA um, section applies, um, flight paid for, um, and they're not provided through no fault of his. Um and yes, three months is definitely not appropriate there. In fact, it's three years. It would fall under the CPA's uh, prepaid voucher validity thing. I've checked this out with Mahat and Batlele, the Consumer Goods and Services on board at the time and through various other stories. Yeah. And certainly three months would not be um, legally supported. Um, if Alex would like my help with that, I'd be very happy to take it up with Mango on his behalf. Okay, Alex, if you'd like to do that, pop an email please to consumer at nola.co.za, K-N-O-W-L-E-R, and just put Mango Voucher in the subject line, uh, as well as the words Cape Talk, so Wendy knows to keep an eye out for it. While we're talking vouchers, there is actually a voice note on the issue of vouchers. Let's take a listen to that. Hi, Pippa, Vic Warrington here from Disson Island Fishing Charters. Pippa, yeah, i got a bit of a dilemma, and that is that uh, I take bookings for people wanting to go fishing at Dyson Island and to the deep to catch tuna, and uh, these uh, trips are not cheap. They're 1,450 Rand and 3,000 Rand for the deep per person, and uh, I got to the stage where people were paying me up front for a trip in two to three weeks, and then they uh, would, uh, would cancel and want a refund because they don't really feel like going anymore. They need the money for something else. And that was really affecting my business terribly. And then I got the idea to issue people with vouchers. Um, if they wanted to go on a fishing trip, they had a voucher valid for 12 months. And uh, I had a situation, and it's all in my terms and conditions and on the voucher, printed on the voucher itself, that uh, we do not do refunds. The voucher is valid for 12 months. And people sign it and they actually send. And yet we still have one or two people who demand a refund and have gone to the consumer council and uh, I've just ignored it and I just don't know what my rights are in terms of a voucher valid for 12 months that is non-refundable I hope your specialist can help me Thanks Vic, Wendy, any comment? I think you could answer him perfectly prepared this stage Um I'm afraid he's in the wrong. Um, if you're issuing a voucher uh, for a service, it has to be, and, it, and it's paid. This is not, it's different from a voucher issued as part of a loyalty scheme. They can put their own T's and C's on there. But if someone's paying you upfront for a service or goods to be delivered at some later stage, 
um, you have to make that available to them for at least three years. The original bill said five years and yeah. it was reduced to three, but 12 months is not acceptable. So if someone paid um, almost uh, 1,500 rand or double that for one of these trips uh, up front and 13 months later tried to redeem it and was told, sorry for you, that is the voucher is no longer valid. Well, then absolutely they have reason to complain to the Umbud. And um, if as a supplier he chooses to ignore that, that's not going to end well. The, the Umbud um, has in the past uh, issued advisories naming and shaming companies who do not cooperate with uh, the CGSO and, and detailing how they've been wronging their customers. So mm. I wouldn't advise that course of action at all. What about the fact that they're non-refundable? Is that okay? If he was to extend the, 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 the length of ter- time to three years, would it be Absolutely. all right then? Absolutely. Suppliers are under no obligation to refund in cash for a voucher. Okay, so he can so make it a non-refundable issue, but he does need to extend the, the length of validity of the those validity. vouchers. Okay, yes. thank yes. you very much for that clarity, Vic. I hope that's helpful to you going forward. We're going to take a short break, and then we are back with the story of the cotton vest that had no cotton in it and other open line queries. If you'd like to raise an issue, call us on 021-446-0567. Consumer Talk. Open line. Call 021-446-0567. That is the number to dial if you'd like to raise a consumer question with Wendy Nola. In the meantime, Wendy, quick look at something spotted by a really eagle-eyed shopper, which raised an interesting question. It's the story of the sustainable cotton underwear that doesn't actually contain any cotton. I know. Can you believe it? So well done to Pushan Ravji, who noticed this peculiarity last month. Um, he was at Woolies looking at their thermal underwear, which, as you can imagine, does tend to fly off the shelves at this time of year. Um, so the word cotton, it's a, it's a fairly uh, big range of, of thermal underwear. Yep. Um, the word cotton appears on the packaging. Um, it's sort of in plastic, and then it's got a big cardboard strip that runs from the front of the pack to the back. Yep. Um, the word cotton appears on that at least four times, including a large green circle saying cotton, comma, sustainably sourced on the front. And they have the BCI, um, which stands for Better Cotton Initiative logo on the back. Um, and then uh, with that, we support more sustainable cotton. So I counted four times that the word cotton uh, appeared on the pack. The problem is... Um, that if you once you've taken off the packaging, and so this would be post-purchase, yeah, you can't see, you can't get to the product unless you're a very bad consumer. You can't get to the product and, and until you've bought it and um, taken the packaging off. And there you see the label on the inside of um, the, the vest, and in Bushan's case, a long-sleeved vest, um, listed the composition of the fabric as being a blend of polyester mainly, viscose and elastase. And he, his question to Woolies was, where's the cotton in this garment, please? Uh, to Woolworths. <laughs> you asked them too. And what feedback <laughs> did you get, Wendy? I did. So this was uh, on the 18th of June. I got an email back saying, listen to the wording carefully. Following an, an internal review, it has been established that there was an error in the packaging brief and design, and this resulted in the incorrect fiber composition being printed on the packaging of our men's thermal vest. As a result, the BCR logo and the word sustainable cotton were used. The fiber composition 
on the actual garment is correct, 62% polyester, a third viscose, and 5% elastane. We apologize for this error and are immediately, 18th of June, addressing mm-hmm. it. We are developing and deploying adhesives, um, which you and I call stickers, which will be used to cover over any reference to BCI or cotton on the existing packaging, which will be completed over the next week, that which would have made it the 25th of June. Uh, June. If customers would like to return their product, they will be provided a full refund. Um, I left it there, and by pure coincidence, a friend of mine was gifted this exact product um, a couple of days ago, bought from the Somerset Square branch of Woolworths at the weekend, and the packaging was exactly the same. No stickers, no stickers at anywhere. all, those cotton mm. clams as, as large as anything um so i asked obviously i asked well this what happened to those corrective stickers and in response i was sent um some very blurry photos of the product line at several cape stores um but i could just about make out that there were little black stickers over the misleading cotton claims and i was told we can confirm that the execution of the stickers has begun in some of our stores a few factors have affected implementation but we are definitely in the process of completing this rollout uh, and I, I say to them, I, I just don't understand how this product was signed off in the first place, but mm. I haven't got any response to that. So it, there was an error in the brief and design. So I don't know. I mean, was it supposed to be cotton and ended up being three things that weren't cotton? Or I mean, they didn't the even say polycotton. Yeah. It, yeah. was, it, it, it The answer doesn't actually say how it happened, but I think it's fairly astonishing, really. Well, Wendy, I mean, it might not seem like that big a deal, but it's the bottom line is it's misleading to customers. You bought it thinking they're buying a cotton cotton item, and, you know, maybe they're buying that specifically because of reasons of allergies to other products or because they're price sensitive in one way or another. Uh, You know, I would expect to pay less for a polyester garment than for a cotton one, for example. It is um, just fundamentally misleading the customer about what is inside the packet. Yeah, I mean, if it went to the advertising regulatory board, that would be a slam dunk. It's just misleading. I just, yeah, I was just fascinated as to how it happened, and I'm unfortunately still none the wiser. So, um, if you bought this product, and um, it is a lovely product, it's lovely and soft, and you know, but the point is, as you say, it's mislabeling. Um, If you bought it and um, you feel misled. Um, you are welcome to take back the product. I think even if you've worn it under the circumstances and um, get a refund, I would certainly try that. Okay, thanks for the heads up and well done, Bashan, for being really the kind of uh, consumer that we all should be who's checking the labels and get, making Absolutely. sure he's getting what he paid for. Okay. Um, you got you- You've yep. got a, even a trip to follow from me after that, I can tell you. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely one to follow. Okay, um, uh, we are hoping to take an open line call or two, and I've got one or two WhatsApps, but just quickly before we go to those, Wendy, we had a conversation yeah. a couple of weeks or even months ago about the, the issue of adulterated honey and how many honeys being sold in South Africa were actually watered down with sugar syrup and the like. So I think it was it's, it's pertinent for us to give a shout-out to a local honey producer who've just been recognized with an international award. Um, uh, Wendy, they're called Bilal Honey. Yes, it's a family-owned business. Um, it's currently run by 19-year-old Sana Khan, uh, Sana Khan, Sana Khan, sorry, who's a UCT student. Nice. Um, 
they have their hives on the west coast, so the honey has the flavor of all those lovely Feinbos plants. Mm. And they recently entered, entered their raw honey in the London International Honey Awards, Awards, and they won the highest possible recognition of a platinum award. They weren't the only honey um, brand from around the world that did, but that is the highest accolade you can get. Yeah. It signifies a score of over 95 out of a possible 100, 100. points. So. Brilliant. Yeah. Um, and all entrance was, all, all the, the honey that was entered was put through a very strict laboratory testing process, as you can imagine, to check their pollens and their sugar profile. So, I mean, you don't get much more um, confidence in a, in a product as that than that in terms of, you know, knowing that what's on the label is actually um, exactly is, is um, lived up to by the product. Um, so I just thought, you know, it's, uh, it's worth as a counter to to all the talk we've had about adulterated honey, to say, wow, there's a lovely home homegrown product. It is available on Take a Lot um, and at the neighbor goods market at the old Biscuit Mill in Woodstock. If people are interested in um, trying out this most um, highly accoladed okay. <laughs> internationally um, honey, so, I, know, yeah, I just thought it was nice, good to know. Yeah, absolutely. And just to just to mention, Lester is going to be chatting to them, I believe, on Friday morning on his show. So if you would like to hear more of the story, I think he has got Sana Khan lined up to speak to him on Friday morning. In the interim, though, you can also check out their website, Bilal Honey. It's spelled B E E L A L honey.com bilalhoney.com or buy it on take a lot or at the neighbor goods market at the old biscuit mill are they open i know flea markets are closed but food markets i think are allowed to still be open so i hope they are still going under the current regulations okay quick and interesting query from jane on the whatsapp line wendy um she wants to know what do i do if i filled up at what was a clearly branded ngen garage in order to qualify for my fnb e-bucks but now FNB is saying it doesn't reflect on their system as an engine garage and they're withholding the e-bucks to the value of 450 rand. And they say it's incumbent on me to prove it's an engine garage. <laughs> Easy enough to do by going there and taking a photograph, but why should she Take have to? Photo. Yeah. What do you think of that? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Well, well, I would certainly, if that was me, that's exactly what I would do. I th- I also, I mean, how much petrol did you, did she buy to get, uh, to qualify for 450 well, rands. Perhaps it was over the course of a couple of F&B. months, Wendy. Yeah. Perhaps, oh, I, I think she might have filled up uh, there multiple times, to, to, I would imagine, to reach that kind of, of value level. But, yeah, and they've obviously rejected I all of imagine, them. But it's very odd because why doesn't it reflect on this system? My, 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 my two things. If I was to take up the case, and I'd very much like to, because, as you say, you'd think that the bank would investigate further but I would certainly uh, urge Jane to take a photograph um, and uh, send it to me or go to the bank directly but I'd be most interested in knowing how often this happens and what the bank's um, policy on this is because I mean how is it that there's engine signage and it's not reflecting on their system as part of their rewards program. That's quite intriguing for me. I'd very much like to look into that if Jane has the appetite. And for 450 rand, I think I certainly would. Yeah. Okay. So, Jane, if you'd like to, please pop us an email. Again, uh, Wendy's email address is consumer 
at nola.co.za, spelled K-N-O-W-L-E-R, consumer at nola.co.za. Please just put the words Cape Talk in the subject line and FNB eBucks Garage or something like that so Wendy knows uh, to keep an eye out for that particular query, Jane, and uh, let, let her investigate and see where we get. It's a quite interesting uh, quandary. If you do happen to be going past that but garage again and you can snap a photograph to, to assist in your case, I think that would help as well. So, so please consider doing that. Okay, we've got about four or five minutes in hand. I think we've got time to squeeze in one very quick uh, call that has come in with an open line issue. Mm-hmm. Uh, Wendy, and it's Ruthann in Fishhook. Good afternoon, Ruthann. Hi. Um, Wendy, I'm so, uh, hi to everybody. Sorry. I'm funny on behalf of one of my, my um, colleagues here. She had a birthday on the 6th of, of, of June. Um, her daughter booked a accommodation in Hermanus. And they paid the deposit, they paid for yeah. the, the accommodation and everything. And what happened was they were told they would be paid back the deposit of a thousand rand would be paid back within three days. Um, they never got the deposit back or anything like that. And the daughter tried to contact the woman by texting and messaging and emailing and everything and there was no reply. Then she went on and she put a review on it and said that the, you know, it, it stinks, the, 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 Service stinks, and and she put a bad review on the the, the um, for this place. And when the woman then the woman came back to her and said she works during the week and she hasn't had time to do anything, and she would only pay the deposit back once the review is removed. This has now been going on, and she keeps on she keeps on saying that she will not pay the the deposit back because the review must be re- uh, uh, taken away before she'll pay the money back. Sure. Is this is this right? Can a person do this? No, they shouldn't do that. The two things are separate. If a review is true and in the public interest, um, and I would like to add not abusive, um, then um, it's absolutely not def- defamatory and uh, has a legal right to sit there and it sh- removing it shouldn't be um, – well, the refunding something that's due shouldn't be conditional upon removing it. What is what would be fair is uh, for her to your friend to once she gets the money, which is looking a bit dicey at this point, is to then um, go online and update that review, or uh, and she could choose to remove it at that stage if she wanted to, but update it at least and say payment was eventually made. But but certainly that she, the, the deposit refund can't be made uh, conditional upon removing a, a legitimate re- review. So how do we? But go I mean, what what what? Sorry, how do we go? About sorry, I was going to say what's right and justice is, is not the same thing as we're discovering at this time. Yeah, Ruthann, sorry, you had a follow-on question there. So, so what? What? How does she go about it? She can't go to a lawyer or anything like that. And this woman said that she will not pay it unless it's removed. So she, so the the, the daughter said, "Pay me back and I'll remove it." Because obviously she hasn't got the service. She hasn't got her deposit back. And this woman said, "You remove it first, or else no payment." I've told you a thousand times. I will not give you your money unless you've removed the review. Such a tough well, one. Well, as I said, that's yeah. not. A- Legit, it is a tough one. I mean, I don't like saying this, but um, certainly she could negotiate and say, well, okay, I'll remove it. Um, you have three days to refund me. If not, it's going back. I mean, it's a silly cat and mouse game that you shouldn't have to play, but I mean, ultimately she wants her money. 
Um, if she if she removes it and then still doesn't get a deposit, uh, she's welcome to to take up the case with me, and I'll do my best to to look into that because it's it's not a it's not a um, best practice certainly to to resort to that kind of negotiation around a refund. Yeah. Because she's really she's she, she's through the phone down in our ears and that type of thing. Wow. She's really a nasty person to work with. <laughs> Okay, Ruth, and I'm sorry you're going through that, but it sounds, I think what Wendy's just suggested is a very practical sort of, uh, detente, if you like, that you say, okay, we'll take the review down, pay us the refund, and that'll be the end of it. But if you don't pay the refund and set a very clear timeline on it, by day F, such and such a time on such and such a date, we will put the review back up again. Uh, and Wendy, I think that's a very practical way forward that allows everybody to save face and hopefully gets that deposit money back in their bank account. Yes, and I I would very much appreciate feedback either way on uh, you know on how this this one plays out. Okay, Ruthann, we'll leave it there. Thank you so much for your call, and please keep in touch with us and let us know whether that strategy works uh, for your colleague. I really hope it does. Wendy, thanks as always for being with us. Um, a reminder to our listeners that if you would like Wendy to investigate a case, the email address is consumer at nola.co.za, and um, I'll chat to you in two weeks from today, Wendy.